2: Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of
3: the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Thursday night football tonight. Chargers and Chiefs. Armando Salguero will join us in hour number two. We will go through all of the NFL headlines with him, including tonight's matchup. Later in the show, Billy Lucci of Texags.com.
0: Chad, describe Billy Lucci in a sentence. Billy Lucci is a media mogul in College Station, Texas. Yes. Is that a good sentence? He runs the town, and he, he's with He us. runs Aggieland. Uh, That's Billy Lucci in a nutshell. Paul, uh,
3: you would love Billy because uh, covering the beat, he covers Texas A&M, and he gets anywhere he wants to go just by being Billy Lucci.
2: Yeah. Sounds like
0: uh,
3: a man of
2: stature. The whole thing.
0: Now, he's a little different than uh, your uh, typical old-school journalist, I would say. He's one of the guys. You know, like he's out to dinner with Von Miller uh, when they're in in the same town together and, and taking pictures. He's on the sideline hanging out with Johnny Manziel during the but game. But the difference the coaches. Is
3: they're cool with him oh, yeah. writing about whatever he wants to write about at the site, like behind the scenes. Skill. So, uh, Billy joins us in hour number three because we're going to talk a lot about Jimbo Fisher. Hot seat or not, the buyout is nuts. I was texting back and forth with him last night. The buyout makes it incredibly difficult to do anything, but it is Texas A&M. So
0: we'll ask Billy about all the details of that in hour number three. He's he's not going to get fired. I'll go ahead and give my little t- teaser Chad, to that that he is not going to get fired. Chad, hang There's on. There's no way.
3: Upcoming uh, upcoming schedule: Miami, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Alabama. After losing to Appalachian State, if they go over,
0: you would still say that today? Yes, because the only the only way that Jimbo Fisher loses his job is if he starts losing that freshman class. So when they start losing, if they lose this week and it continues to go downhill, the key for Jimbo Fisher is go re-recruit that freshman class. Make sure they're all on board. Give them some playing time, whatever it takes, because you can still sell the future. If you recruit at a high level next year and keep that class intact.
2: I'll ask the question again, I should know the answer. Uh, Who's the quarterback in that freshman class?
0: That's a great question. There's a five-star guy that they have. Connor Weidman, I think is his name. I'd like to see him, you know. Give Haynes King another game if he can't get it done, and they lose to Miami. Let's put the freshman out there. Uh, all this
2: recruiting doesn't matter if there's not a quarterback in it.
0: No to- doubt. Totally agree. We'll, we'll ask. That's we'll the ask one Milly thing the they have not developed there is a
3: quarterback, and that's what Jimbo has done previously with the first round quarterbacks he's produced. He has not done that at Texas A and M. Trey Wallace will join us in about 15 minutes or so. SEC headlines and previews for the weekend. Tonight, guys, Chargers Chiefs. What would you guys guess the, the the combined score is over the last four games between these divisional rivals?
0: Combined score last over two years, four games, regular season
3: last two years.
0: Combined score. I'm going to guess one fifty eight to one fifty six. Last last four. One fifty eight. Chiefs
3: or Chargers?
0: I had to do some real math when you said four yeah. games. I'm trying to combine what four totals would be. But you're taking the Chiefs? 158-156 Chargers.
2: Okay. 180-160 uh, Chargers.
3: So it hasn't uh, been... No, as- sorry, Chiefs. Chiefs. I, I I would have gone higher than this, but it tells you how close the series has been over the last two years. So... The final score over the last two years one sixteen to one zero two Chargers over Chiefs over the last two years or four years two years four okay. matchups okay four games yep. two years one sixteen to one zero two Herbert over Mahomes these have been awesome games we've been treated to some classics and you know uh, we we've seen Staley ridiculed for his aggressiveness not kicking field goals, going for it when he's got the ball in the 45, where we've seen all weekend teams that kick field goals instead of trying to go for it on fourth down. He's going to be aggressive. And while they don't have Keenan Allen, they still have Justin Herbert and a, a, a powerhouse with what they're going to do in their passing attack. They hit 11 different receivers last week. I'm, I'm excited to watch the game tonight because it always lives up to the bill.
2: We know about J.C. Jackson yet? He's just questionable. We don't know to warm-ups. All right, so here's, here's my thing. It, last year, particularly I think it was in the first game, his approach was like, we've and I know he's super aggressive on fourth down anyway, but he's like, we're not going to kick because we have to score touchdowns in order to keep up. Yeah. They have a revamped defense now. I don't believe that they have to score a touchdown every time in right. order to keep up. So this is one of my big questions with them, and they are my Super Bowl team, my Super Bowl champ. Will he adjust? He's got a different team now. He's got a more well-rounded team. So, yes, he, he he's an aggressive guy on fourth down. I understand that. I, I want him to be that way. But in this game, unlike the first matchup between these two teams last year, he doesn't have to go in with the mindset like, we've got to try to go get a touchdown every time in order to keep up with the Chiefs. The Chiefs, while they weren't less explosive on opening day, are a bit less explosive because Tyreek Hill isn't one of their primary weapons. Valdez, Scantling, and and Schuster are not, Smith-Schuster are are not a a risk of going uh, to the end zone on every touch the way Tyreek Hill is. And their defense, the Chargers defense, is substantially better. They're not at risk of somebody taking it to the house every time they touch the ball. So I hope that he's smart enough here to scale it differently.
3: I, But here's where I would differ on what you're saying. I don't disagree with any other team except for Kansas City and Buffalo. Those are the two teams.
2: Still got to be highly aggressive. Don't so, have to be as aggressive as you were last year.
3: Buffalo had the, uh, they had the top defense in the league last year. And they gave up how many points in the playoffs to Kansas City?
2: A bunch, a well, ton, a
3: bunch. I think the mindset has to be, especially in Arrowhead, you have to just foot on the gas in the midway through the first quarter. You have to act like it's the final drive of the game. It's a weird concept. You also have to
2: see how it's going. But that's how you. Bit.
3: That's how you beat them. And, and people have argued like, oh, the Bengals have the blueprint. The, the blueprint is Mahomes has to have a terrible game, and he did against the Bengals defense with with Herbert and company. I think it's just a. It's a fast break street fight tonight. I, Regardless I, of defense.
2: I think it is to a degree. But I mean, I think you've got a much better pass rush. You've got a much better run defense. If J.C. Jackson's out there, you've got a shutdown corner that you didn't have last time around. Yeah. So you can feel differently about yourself. Well, you have to have to a
0: defense that can force Mahomes into the bad game. Get a couple
3: stops.
2: To having
0: a bad game. So they did not punt the Chiefs on
3: their first three drives of each half. Of last week's game. They scored a touchdown every time. That's crazy to me, the efficiency with what we saw from them. But at the same time, the Chargers were very good. The Raiders, it was a high scoring game. Point being, though, Herbert's on, Herbert's on point. And without Keenan Allen, we'll see what happens. But they have, they have the horsepower to make this a game tonight. I'm excited to watch it. And it's Thursday Night Football on
0: Amazon, guys.
3: Call your parents. Let them know, Chad.
0: You gotta, yeah. Uh, I, I may have to drive to their house and show them how to, <laughs> to activate Amazon Prime. They, they have it. Uh, I know that. But um, it's going to be difficult. A lot of people out there are going to be telling their parents how to go to Amazon Prime tonight if they want to watch some football. Kansas City went 5-1 and
3: one against this division last year. And uh, K- uh, the Chargers were their only loss to KC. And now we have the domination of the AFC West. And just – NFC West has flip-flopped. Last year, three teams out of the NFC West got in the playoffs. Yep. We may only see one
0: this year, just perception-wise.
2: Well, early, yeah, and early returns. I'm, I mean, not, I'm not ready
0: to bury the 49ers just yet, but it wasn't a good week for that division, that's for sure. Well, it was terrible for the Rams too, though. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And like, that's still the team. Even though,
3: the that top would... team is looking – you know, they, you have to believe in some hype – Without their, without their prime stars there.
2: NFC is really, to me, all, wide open. Um, so, Armando's
3: going to join us later. I'm going to ask him, who does he trust in the NFC? Well, one thing I want to ask Can Armando you, about Are there three teams? Yeah. Maybe. Did, Maybe. I
2: mean, I, I still feel relatively good about the Rams, but again, it's not all about the Rams. Some of it's about the competition. Trust the Bucks because of the quarterback and the divisional competition. And who am I leaving out? Uh, You know, Packers. Again, I think Packers are coming back. Um, But you might say you trust the Vikings, too. Uh, I don't know. It's not a long list. No.
0: One thing I'm going to ask Armando about, a story that just came down uh, a little while ago. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was on the Pardon My Take podcast and and acknowledges that it was Brady. Uh, It was him that Brady was talking about when he said, oh, you took that MF -er over me. Where was he at the time? So it was not. Miami. He says he thinks it was him, that it was Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he was he the was quarterback in Miami in, Miami in so 2019. So he was the quarterback in Miami.
3: In 2020. Um,
0: he goes on to say that Brady always had zero respect for him. Said he would never shake my hand. He just pisses me off. <laughs> because I'm in Buffalo playing New England. They're kicking our ass every single year. They're beating us. We finally, in 2011, knocked them off. It was the beginning of the season. He threw five interceptions in the game, which was just wonderful to see. Every single one of them, Ryan Fitzpatrick says. He runs straight off the field after the game. No handshake. No quarterbacks in the middle of the field. Just runs straight to the locker room. It bothered me so much because there was no respect from Brady.
2: Yeah, that's not a cool move if, no. if it unfolded that way. And we have zero reason not to believe Ryan Fitzpatrick's account. And
0: he went on to say that you know his final game, regular season game in New England... He takes great pride in going to New England and upsetting them, knocking them into the wild card round where they lost at home to the Titans. Remember, they were gonna get a bye. All they had to do was beat the lowly Dolphins at home, yep. and they lost the game. So Fitzpatrick debuts
3: tonight on Amazon, correct? Yep. yep. So does Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman has also commented on Brady. It's funny how the story surface right as they're making yeah, their right. debut. Get some attention. Sherman has also discussed the you mad bro game. Where pregame he comes up to the defensive backs and says, "Talk some trash or something," and postgame is walking off the field and Sherman comes up and gets in his face and yells at him, "You mad, bro?" And that's a meme now. And he was describing the the backstory of what happened pregame, where everyone thinks Richard Sherman's just being a joke, uh, talking to to Brady that way. Well, uh, Fitzpatrick but it was the opposite way. Yeah. Like he was he was and doing I'm, it like as a A funny gesture, I think,
0: but it came across as, you know. Him being mad. Yeah. I'm looking forward to watching these guys tonight. Fitzpatrick went on to say, the last win, talking about the win in New England, was especially sweet because it was the tank for two a year. Started out 0-7. They beat us by 40 at the beginning of the season. He said that Brady did ultimately shake his hand after that (laughs) game, but I probably initiated it, he said with a smile at that moment.
2: So, uh, I but, like Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think it? Ryan Fitzpatrick was an overachiever when he was good. I know his lows were low.
3: So, let, let's let's back up a bit though. Any one of us would have said the exact same thing if we're Tom Brady. You're keeping oh, Ryan yeah. Fitzpatrick over me? And keep in mind, so the, the news has come out where Giselle has talked to some magazine. I don't know which one it is.
2: Yeah, Vogue,
0: I think, or something. Where
3: like she's that. talked about
0: Vogue she, or Vanity Fair. He's one of living
3: two. in Tampa. She's living in Miami. I don't think there's any coincidence to the fact that he's trying to get there while he's extending his career because she's there full time with the family. And I'm tying everything together. I think he's been trying to get there for two years.
2: I'm going to interpret Fitzpatrick if I can. Am I may, wrong here. in assuming that? No. I'm going to interpret Fitzpatrick if I may here though to me and we can't hear tone here obviously so reading the quotes is different but I think he's saying like it's the culmination of a culmination of disrespect I, I think we agree he'd say it about multiple people it's the fact that it gets out you know that's the thing he it wouldn't get out if he was saying it about a lot of other guys. But
3: he never addressed who it was. And right. we, it was very public on who he was interested in. There were, what, five teams that could have been out there? And there were others that were linked to him, but he never visited.
2: Right, including like the Titans right. here. Right. But the, that got resolved pretty quickly because they re-signed Tannehill before. But it could still
3: be about him.
2: Yeah, right, in anticipation. But I don't I don't perceive this as... as and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being overly defensive about Fitzpatrick. I don't really perceive it as Fitzpatrick crying. I perceive it as Fitzpatrick, who now, like you said, is a newsmaker in this show, just kind of telling a story. I didn't feel like the guy no, no. respected me. And and here's a story about the handshake. And I'm pretty sure he was talking about me when it was the time. It's not a wah. Kind of, kind of thing, which some people will take. Well, it he's as. not
0: even—he doesn't even seem mad with the quotes about him saying guy. that. He's very he's just saying, kind of uh, yeah. It was definitely about guy. me because he never respected me. Yeah, it's very straightforward. You guy. know, they're beating us every year, and we finally beat him. and He's got five I interceptions, him to shake and he doesn't respect me enough to shake my hand. He goes to, to the locker room because he's thinking, "How did I lose to this dude?" Is what Tom Brady's thinking in that moment. I'm not going to go shake his hand. Hit us up on Twitter at OutKick360. And uh, coming up, we're talking all
3: things SEC. Trey Wallace joins us from OutKick.com. We'll talk Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky, and much more as we look ahead to the upcoming schedule on OutKick360. First, though, Aurora Nutriscience and VitalLifeScience.com is where you can go to stay mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. VitalLifeScience.com is the website. It's where you can See more information. Our OutKick360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. But here's Aurora. Unique, cutting-edge, nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes, and that ensures greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use vitamin C, vitamin D3, glutathione each and every day. They have so many more options to choose from. Aurora supplements absorbed... In the bloodstream through the GI tract, and that ensures it's not wasted like a capsule or pill. VitalLifeScience.com is the website, V I D A LifeScience.com. 15% off with the code OutKick360 at VitalifeScience.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady,
0: a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live
2: only on Netflix.
3: From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, glad you're with us for Outkick 360. Trey Wallace joins us from Outkick.com, SEC writer and columnist. He joins us each and every week at this time, previewing what's to come this weekend. Trey, hope you're doing well as you are on the way to the Plains, Auburn and Penn State this weekend. I'm jealous.
1: I'm I'm somewhere. I'm somewhere in Georgia off the interstate. <laughs> so, uh, no, we're, we're making our way down there. Outkick will be there this weekend, Auburn. Penn State. Looking forward to the matchup. First time a Big Ten team has traveled to Jordan Harris Stadium ever, um, which I found astonishing. Um, so, yeah, it should be a fun game. We'll have you covered all weekend. Happy to join you guys from the side of the interstate.
3: I feel like it means more to get a win if I'm James Franklin, because I think Brian Harson is
0: out no matter what happens, either by his choice or Auburn's choice. Am I wrong? Hunter, are you saying that it just means more for a team not in the SEC it, it, this I think weekend? Like? This That's
3: game means saying. a lot for Very James Franklin and how Very he's perceived in the Big Ten. Am I wrong here?
1: No, I don't think you're wrong because I think the situation that, that Penn State's in right now, you're you're coming off a couple seasons that you're not satisfied. Fans aren't. Boosters aren't. James Franklin isn't. With how the program has looked. And, and you go into to a game like this at Auburn where – You know, if if you look at both rosters, if you look at both situations, you would think Penn State's gonna come in here and win this game. Not by a lot, but win this game. I think that the pressure, you know, that's the biggest thing for me with with Penn State is is coming down here to Auburn, winning on the road and and trying to set up the rest of the season. Like that's what stands out to me is, is how is this thing going to go from Auburn, Alabama to the rest of the Big Ten schedule with Penn State and and James Franklin. Look, he's hearing it from folks in, in, in Happy Valley. They need to get a win. So coming down to Auburn, taking care of business, we'll see what the quarterback play looks like. But to me, Jonathan, I agree with you. I think this is more for, for James Franklin. All it's going to do for Brian Harson is just shut some people up for a couple weeks until they get you know into SEC play. So that's why I think it's bigger for Franklin.
0: Trey, you mentioned this was uh, – this is going to be Penn State's first-ever trip to Auburn. It was Tennessee's first-ever game in the state of Pennsylvania this past week at Pitt, and a win in overtime for the Vols, a win where they were not good offensively for pretty much the entire second half. What did you learn about Tennessee in that close win over Pittsburgh?
1: I've learned that that these players have bought into what Tim Banks wants to do on defense and bought into what Josh Heupel is throwing down when it comes to culture at Tennessee. You know, look at a player like Aaron Beasley, how far that young man has grown over the last two years. Uh, he was a leading tackler against Pittsburgh. You know, you you look at this football team, and yeah, it wasn't pretty at all. And the fact that they had to go to overtime against a backup quarterback at, at Pittsburgh, but they found a way to win. The defense stepped up. Um, they made plays in, in the fourth quarter, and, you know, Getting in, getting into overtime. It's like I was like, "Oh, okay, this one's going to get interesting." Pittsburgh might pull this thing out, and it, you know, Tennessee scores, and then they shut Pittsburgh down, and and they get out of there with a the win. I think to me, you know, it, it just shows how far the program has come. Uh, you know, and I and I said it since the beginning of the season. I thought Pittsburgh was the biggest game on Tennessee's schedule, not because of who it is and who the opponent was, but setting up the rest of the season because now. You got that win at Pittsburgh, you got to beat Akron on Saturday night, then you get the Gators in Knoxville, sold out in Neyland Stadium, and that's why I think it was so big for them to go to Pittsburgh and get the win, because it sets up the rest of the season, but to me, Chad, shows the maturity of this football team, they've got some leaders, now let's see if they can continue to build upon that for the rest of the season. What do you make of the
2: SEC uh, asking Tennessee and, and Georgia to cancel Oklahoma? And and uh, can, can we anticipate that, uh,
1: that Texas and Oklahoma are coming sooner? I think that's probably going to end up being the case. That, to me, was ESPN and the SEC getting together and saying, okay, look, we're not going to have these games. These, these are technically going to be conference games in the future, we don't know the format of how we're going to schedule. So why play these games? We're, let's get rid of them. Let's you know, not forget, you know, LSU and Texas, they're not going to be playing anymore. Um, you know, so you, you look at these, you know, what Georgia and Tennessee are telling them to stand down, I think it's two things. I think it's that Oklahoma and Texas are going to join the conference earlier than expected because of what's going on with the Big 12 right now and their media rights negotiations. And then two, I think it's because the scheduling format and how things are going to play off, Greg Sankey wants to get rid of those games off the schedule. And also another big thing too, let these schools that had to cancel games find replacement games against group of five teams or a team like Ball State you know, or a team like Akron. Find a game that you can put into that schedule that's going to help you out because honestly, guys, I think we're going to move to like a a nine-conference game format you know, in the next few years, and then that's going to change completely how teams are scheduling. So I don't blame them for doing it. Um, it might push back some of these matchups or when people get to go to Norman or when teams get to you know come to Athens or Knoxville, but I thought it was the smart play from the Southeastern Conference.
0: Trey, you mentioned that Tennessee-Pittsburgh game being pivotal for setting up Tennessee's remainder of their schedule and their season. I could say the same for Mississippi State and LSU. This weekend, I love a nice 5 p.m. Central kickoff. Feels like the perfect time going into sort of the early evening. Mississippi State, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite at LSU. It feels big for both of these programs right
1: now. It feels massive because I, I I feel like Will Rogers and Mike Leach can go into Baton Rouge and they can scheme up against this LSU defense. And if LSU lets Will Rogers sit in the pocket, without getting after him, he's going to pick LSU secondary off. Um, now, look, he'll probably throw an interception or two during the process. But I feel like this is a game where Mississippi State can go in there and win. I, I feel like right now, when it comes to LSU football, I think they're they're still searching for an identity uh, within that program. Um, and, and look, a, a win would be nice. You know, Jaden Daniels, a decent quarterback from what we've seen so far with two games. I don't take much away from the Southern game, but at least the ability to to run what Brian Kelly wants. Now, here's where it gets tricky. Mike Leach and these Bulldogs, I watched them play against Arizona last week till 2 o'clock in the morning. I've seen what they have done when it comes to pushing forward and how they are going to play on this offensive side and then also trying to separate the defense. So I I look at it overall, and I think Mississippi State has – an opportunity to go to backroads, grab the win, be able to go forth in the season and then we'll see what how it plays out, you know, with Texas A&M coming to town 2 weeks later.
3: It's a very intriguing matchup with LSU for Mississippi State because last year the Bulldogs played their game and they still lost. The last year 62 pass plays, 26 runs, 88 total plays to LSU's 51 and the Tigers won that game. And knowing that Will Rogers has thrown 49 passes in each of the, the Bulldogs games so far, nine touchdowns, one interception, I'm, I'm intrigued just to watch this from the LSU defensive perspective because they, they got a good version of Mississippi State last year and still won the game. I, I feel, so if LSU wins, Trey, I feel about the same about expectations for the Tigers this year, honestly. And if, yeah, Missis- if Mississippi State wins, I feel like they're on the upper, uh, the upward trajectory a bit. It's a, it's a different vibe based on who wins the game for me.
1: Well, they're also going to get you know Texas A and M in a few weeks as well in right. yeah. Starkville. You know, so I think if you go to Baton Rouge and you grab that win, um, man, you're you're setting yourself up for I don't know eight nine win season. You know, I think you you take a take an L hell to. Alabama, but you, Mike Leach is setting himself up. So that's why the game is important down in Baton Rouge. And I get it's a conference game. I get it's a division game. I understand that. But knowing what you have coming to town in a few weeks, I think it only sets up for what they're trying to do in the future. And that's why I think this game is dangerous for LSU. Don't let Mississippi State you know, get a two-touchdown lead on you. They're going to continue throwing the ball around on you. But I think LSU's defensive line has got to figure a way to, to step up. Um, and and be able to get after Will Rogers put pressure because the biggest part of this to me is Brian Kelly starting one and two in the on the season, not gonna feel pre in, in Baton Rouge. And he thought you know reporters were having fun with him last week lose this game to Mississippi State. I'm telling you, the fan base would get agitated real quick.
0: Trey, I don't know that an over under win total has been more heavily scrutinized than Vanderbilt's two and a half. Coming into the season, and here they are with a chance at Northern Illinois this weekend. They're a two-and-a-half-point underdog, but if Vanderbilt wins, they've hit the over for the season uh, with, with three wins. What do you think about this matchup and just how, I mean, it sounds crazy you know, to think about SEC versus Mac being a big moment for an SEC school, but this is a big moment for Clark Lee and, and Vandy to go on the road and beat a good Northern Illinois team.
1: Go take care of business against a max school. And I know that look, that that's easier said than done when it comes to Vanderbilt. But you know, go out and run your offense that you were trying. I understand Wake Forest was tough to keep up. But I think northern you know, Northern Illinois presents an opportunity for Vanderbilt and Mike Wright to go run the ball around. And I think that, you know, you you look at what Clark Lee has done, the win total is two and a half. I mean, come on. It, it, you can grab that with a win over you know, Northern Illinois this week, or you can try to grab it with a win over, I don't know, Missouri. I think they have a non-con game rest of the season. They have one more. But overall, as a program, getting the three wins, and the biggest thing, too, is going on the road and doing it. There's a big difference this week compared to going on the road north Northern Illinois compared to Vanderbilt starting the season in Hawaii. These are two different teams. But if they can figure out a way to go up there and grab a win – Think that would, you know, it's not going to make, you know, headlines across the country, but Vanderbilt getting the three wins, getting past last year, getting it past what Vegas thinks, I think it sets up real nice for what Clark Lee yeah. and them are trying to do in the future. So, I, I, you know, maybe they go up there and, and take it from them. We're going to find out. I'm Jack, excited
3: I, I think we see AJ Swan soon at quarterback.
0: Well, I, I, I yeah. agree with you. He, he looked good in that second half. At quarterback from Northern Illinois, we're going to see a guy named Rocky Lombardi. It sounds like some sort of sports dream name to. generator that just spit that back out for a quarterback. Rocky Lombardi is a starting quarterback for Northern Illinois.
1: It sounds like something you name your dog. <laughs> to be honest with you, did Texas? I mean, they, did,
0: they are the Huskies.
2: Yeah, I know. Sorry. Did, does Texas? Did Texas do much to change your thinking of what they can be based on what they did against Alabama? And then how much does that get pivoted again by Ewers' injury?
1: I think that – I think the Ewers thing was huge in that game, but also think Alabama's offensive line is not as good as we've seen in years past. Um, I, I think they're hurting at depth at wide receiver as well. Um, they're still trying to break in, you know, these, these new guys, Jermaine Burton, transfer from Georgia, still trying to get in sync with, with, with Bryce Young. I look at it more of as Texas came out and played their best game of the season, I think, and maybe, we'll see. But then having you know Hudson Card come in the backup quarterback and be able to hang with Alabama, just Alabama's had some problems in that game. And look, trust me, Nick Saban loved that they got out of that game you know the way they did with a win because then he can harp on it now for the rest of the season. We've already seen him go on rants this year, um, the, two days ago. So I think overall it was an indication that yeah, maybe Texas can hang around. We'll find out the rest of the season what Texas does and how they really look like. But yeah, it was a nice sign for them to say, okay, this is what they could potentially do in the future. If they can hang close with these guys, maybe they go forward there. But I think overall, to me, it was more of Alabama struggling with their offensive line and also the ability to find a complete running back. I know Jameer Gibbs is back there, but to me, they're missing out on that bruiser that they've had in years past. We'll see how that plays out over the next couple of weeks.
0: So let's get into it. Texas A&M and Miami, obviously a big-time game for A&M in this one. Trey, just when you look at A&M right now, especially offensively, what's their identity? What are they trying to do? What kind of challenges does Miami present this Aggie team?
1: A lot of challenges because I don't know what Texas A&M does on offense. I don't know what Haynes King does. I think this is a perfect opportunity for them, if they need to, to put in Max Johnson at quarterback. Texas A&M can't afford another loss. Not at home. Not two weeks in a row. Not before they got to go to Arlington next week and play Arkansas. Not before they got to go to Starkville and play Mississippi State. Schedules only going to get tougher. I think when you look at this Miami team and what Mario Cristobal is going to do, they're going to try to come in and run the football. They're going to try to space it out a little bit when they're passing. But I just look at this Texas A&M team and they looked so out of whack last week. You know, they they looked you know disheveled in the secondary. The offensive line didn't look good. Your your points are coming off, you know, a, a punt return. Um, Haynes King looked uncomfortable in the pocket, didn't get over 100 yards passing. Jimbo Fisher's got to figure this thing out quick because you have these high expectations for Texas A&M. And I'm not in any way saying Jimbo Fisher's not going to be the coach in, in College Station. What I am saying, you're going to have a lot of people agitated, and that's a nice word. Uh, with where the program direction is going because of the amount of money that they're spending, uh, what they're doing with NIL, how they're handling recruiting classes. You know, you can talk about these ones and twos and top five recruiting classes, but if you're not doing anything on the field, if you're losing to App State, and you come out slow against Miami. I just I don't like the direction right now that they're going in. They're going to need a big comeback game Saturday night, 9 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, against Miami, and, and maybe this proves to be the the game that, okay, let's get things back on track. But right now, Chad, I'm having a very hard time trusting what Jimbo Fisher is doing on offense right now in College Station.
3: Trey Wallace from OutKick joins us on OutKick 360. Trey, which team has more to work on before playing next week, Tennessee or Florida?
1: Florida. I think that – the. the I was talking about it before the Kentucky-Florida game. It was like, the way to beat Florida, sit Anthony Richardson in the pocket and make him throw the football around, which is exactly what Kentucky did. He let Anthony Richardson beat him, with, beat them with his legs and made him sit back there and try to pick off the, the Kentucky secondary. Once he got picked off, it was a pick six. No, well, it changed the flow of the ball game. So that's what you have to do. That's what they have to work on. South Florida is coming to Gainesville this weekend. 24 and a half point favorites. Okay, go go grab your win. You get prepared for Tennessee, but you got to figure out a way to get comfortable in the pocket with Anthony Richardson throwing the football. And that's all going to be about continuing to work with the wide receivers. I think Kentucky exposed some problems last week with Florida. Um, and Kentucky looks like a really good football team right now with the addition of Chris Rodriguez coming back. But overall, as I look at it, I think that Florida's got more work to do. They've got to figure out what they're going to do when Anthony Rodriguez takes three or four steps back in the pocket and tries to throw down the field.
0: Do you see Ole Miss having any problems on the road
1: at Georgia Tech this weekend? That game kind of is weird to me because who are you going to roll out of quarterbacks? Is it going to be Luke Altmaier or is it going to be Jackson Dart? You know, Altmaier was, was hurt last week. Um, he came out of the game. Jackson Dart went in. I, I don't see it being a problem, but it's hard for me to gauge Georgia Tech off that Clemson game because they hung in there for a while, then they couldn't score, then Clemson kind of put it away. But then you look at Ole Miss. Like I think Ole Miss has enough options with, you know, with Zach Evans at running back. Um, if you throw Jackson Dart in there at the quarterback, I think he can sling the football around. Uh, the spread's interesting. I think it's sitting at 14.5 right now. You, you look at Ole Miss and what they have done on offense so far this year, it's a little worrisome. It, it is. Let's see if – look, if there's any game that Jeff Collins needs to win to somehow keep his job, it's this game this weekend against Ole Miss. Does his players rally around him? We'll find out Saturday afternoon at 3.30 from Atlanta.
3: Trey Wallace on his way to Auburn for Auburn and Penn State. The first – he mentioned this earlier – the first time Auburn has hosted a, a program from the Big Ten, which is crazy, Concerning the history of both programs or any program in the Big Ten with Auburn, the fact this is the first trip ever.
1: And it's weird, too, because Auburn, I don't think they're going to know until today until where they're actually flying into. Uh, A lot of people don't know this. The Montgomery Airport is under construction, so they can't land in Montgomery. So there's two things they're going to have to do. They're going to land at an Air Force base in Montgomery, or they're going to have to land in Columbus, Georgia, which is about 90 minutes from their hotel in Montgomery. So things kind of thrown out of whack for for Penn State and their travel down here to uh, to Auburn.
0: Auburn is sort of in the on the, in the nexus of nowhere. Uh, that's my uh, recollection of driving yeah. you're driving to Auburn right now. but we will say go to the southeastern. It's a, it's a nice spot. Skybar. Hunt and I went there. we did our show from Skybar also. those are our two recommendations.
1: Look, I have wasted a lot of money. Uh, maybe my parents' money in college a little bit at Skybar. Yeah. Um, so I will go back there and, and probably see some people that maybe they've been there for 20 years and I'll run into them. But um, Skybar has taken enough of my money over the last 25 years. Then take I'm that good.
0: money and give it to Southeastern. That, that's what we're saying
3: now. There that's that's yes. not a good spot. Exactly.
1: Exactly. I will do that.
3: Trey, enjoy it, man. We'll be following this weekend and we'll be uh, tweeting about it as well. Uh, great work. And we look forward to catching up with you next week.
1: Thanks. Thank you, guys. Have a
3: good weekend. There's Trey Wallace, Outkick.com, SEC columnist, and great coverage there. Again, he'll be covering Auburn and Penn State. When we come back, the top numbers, spreads, money lines to play based on DraftKings for tonight's matchup on Thursday Night Football. We've got that for you next on Outkick 360. Bet $5, get $200 instantly for all new DraftKings users. You've got to be 21 years or older. Sorry, Paul. And this is for first-time DraftKings Sportsbook customers only. Make a deposit of at least 5 bucks in your Sportsbook account and then place a wager of at least that amount, $5, on NFL or college football games between now and the end of week two of the NFL season, which is Monday night with the Monday night doubleheader on September 19th. By doing that, You'll receive $200 instantly, in addition to any cash winnings from your original wager once it settles. And tonight, the Chargers-Chiefs game for Thursday Night Football, the up-seven early win. And what this means is you bet a money line. Chiefs, Chargers, whatever it might be, you go up a touchdown and you get paid immediately. So if your team goes up by seven, you get paid immediately. Whether or not your money line bet hits, win or lose, as long as your team leads by seven, You opt in, you place a pregame paid money line bet, and if your team leads by seven at any point in the game, you win. It's all through DraftKings.com and through the DraftKings app. Chargers. Looking at the uh, spread, Chargers are getting four points, and the over-under is 54 tonight. Chargers money line sound good to you guys?
2: Sounds good to me.
3: I like the Chiefs. I uh, like the Chiefs tonight uh, the to Chiefs, cover. The Chiefs feel like they are on a, a mission offensively with how much they've played in the preseason and the attention to detail. By the way, the over-under is 54. In the Chiefs-Chargers Thursday night game, 54.5 is where it opened. In the wild-card era since 1990, totals of 54.5 or more on Thursday night football are 7-0 and 0 for the under, going under the total... By an average of nearly 14 points.
2: That's a big number. That's a big number. I, I, I I'm wary of it. I, I, would stay away from it. Nobody ever we're wants a to half hear, point <laughs> away hear from you say you would stat. stay away from it.
3: We're, we're at 54, not 54 and a half. But that's that's interesting. It doesn't, regardless of opponent, any game that goes over 54 and a half at the at kickoff on the over under. Goes under by an average of nearly fourteen points.
2: I, I wouldn't touch it, but I'd go under if I was betting it. I, and I think the Chargers are gonna win. Fifty
3: four. This was a shootout
0: last year.
2: <sighs> Give me the over. Let's get weird. I'm
0: gonna go Chiefs uh covering
3: like 34, 31 the or something. Four
0: and a half, right? Is that where we're at right now? Yeah. I'm just I'm trying to update to see what it is. It's always moving. I'm gonna go Chiefs covering the four and a half, and let's it's gonna be a shootout. This is one of
3: those, it's early in the season, and we forget the the first month of games, really. But this is one of the matchups where all eyes will be on Mahomes and Herbert. And if Herbert wins the shootout here.
2: A lot of attention coming.
3: That's MVP worthy. We will remember that moment more than him with Carr or another game on a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday night.
0: Because it's Mahomes he's
2: matched up against. If he loses it, um, you know, it'll be as expected.
0: Yeah, you lost the away the, the, the road trip to Arrowhead. There's no, not a big deal early in the year for a couple of 1-0 teams also. But, I, I mean, you're right, I, and I'm not the biggest believer in the Chargers, but, man, go on the road to, to Arrowhead week two, win this game after the way Mahomes, that offense looked in week one, that's a statement. So they do not have, the Chiefs do not have
3: Harrison Butker for what it's worth. I mean, a lot of our reaction to week one has been about kickers. Butker's out. Yeah, and he's, in,
2: you know, if it comes down to a 54-yarder, um, you don't like the chances anymore.
3: So when you don't win the division, you build your, your team to overcome the opponent who did. So the Chargers, they've added Khalil Mack through the trade. Joey Bosa is on a mission as well. I mean, he's been very good. In the first game... With Mac and Bosa, they've combined for like multiple uh, double-digit quarterback pressures. Mac brought three sacks, four quarterback hits, and one forced fumble, and it was his first three-sack performance since Week 15 of the 2015 season. So we didn't even see that from him in Chicago for a while, and he did that against the Raiders.
2: And J.C. Jackson didn't play.
3: <laughs> yeah. And J.C. Jackson, who is I did look this up, he is still questionable. They have not ruled him, so he's a warm up yeah, guy. Game time to see. Yeah, it sounds like he traveled though on a short week. So
2: yeah, I would think so. And he had that extra week and a half to uh, get himself ready. He had minor, what was it, ankle or yeah. knee surgery, um, like a cleanup thing.
3: Yeah. Are you guys uh, anticipating the Thursday night football on Amazon onslaught of complaints or? Do you think that uh, we'll have enough people tweeting about this game that it's not going to matter?
0: I think older people are going to have a problem no matter what, and that's not Amazon Prime's fault. But do they but even there's going to be people confused about, about it. If it's not, it.
3: But if it's not on TV, are they even actively looking for it?
0: Oh, they'll be looking for it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yes. I, I, I completely expect uh, a text message from one of my parents tonight. As an example, right? Okay. So
3: yeah, how are they going to for about it? But I mean, you're that, all, no, Thursday I'm night
2: football it. is uh, part of the part of football fandom. But to be all fair,
3: right. like we we came in on the and it, it's not the same, but it's us. We, we came in and admitted we did not know that the Hall of Fame game was on and we were flipping channels and saw it. So if it's not on your channel guide, are yeah, you even
0: consciously thinking about it? There's going to be a hit in terms of casual viewership, for but we sure. won't know it because you have to seek it out. Right. I mean, you they? have to see. It's not. You're not going to. You're not going to hit guide. Yeah. And then it's going to pop up and see. Oh, NFL football tonight, and then you just go click on it. So that's going to eliminate some of the viewing public, but football fans, they're going to know.
2: Uh, yeah, and I think fan- and fantasy, fantasy players. There are enough fantasy players of the age Here's still the, who and Paul will be Jeff. looking
0: for. it.
3: They're paying a billion dollars Oh yeah, for this. They're betting on the fact that people are going to find it.
0: Well, they're betting on the fact people are also going to sign Look up friend. for Amazon Prime Video based on this alone. That's why you pay a billion dollars.
3: We've got the headlines for you next. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network.